Hey everyone, we're back this week with our new health series called Hormone Happy Hour that I do with Kea Perowit, my dear co-host on the series and co-founder in our business, Bia Wellness. And every Wednesday, Hormone Happy Hour will feature an in-depth interview with a leading women's health expert. Each expert will teach you step-by-step how to eat, think, and move in a way that is designed to help you feel great and create an abundance of energy in your life so you can build your own empire. Empire. Now let's jump into this week's episode. I hope you enjoy it. On this week's episode, we have Dr. Yvonne Burkhart, and she is a toxicologist. And this is one of the most fascinating conversations we've ever had because she talks about how pervasive toxins are in our world, especially for women because of the products we use every single day. One of the most mind-blowing parts of this conversation for me was the effects of fragrance on women's health. And Yasmin, have you walked into a mall recently? An outdoor mall. An outdoor mall. Okay. Have you walked into some store like a Sephora or or a department store? Abercrombie. Abercrombie. With like a strong scent. <laughs> yes. Every time I go to the mall, I realize how many people use toxic fragrances and it impacts me immediately. I think because we live in our little wellness bubble, I forget that people are still using fragrances out there and not any shade to them. They just don't know how toxic these things can be. So we talk about how fragrance is the first thing Dr. Burkhart recommends getting rid of if you're on your health journey. Yeah, that's so interesting, Kay. It's so fascinating because I love perfume. I love smells. I love fragrances. I love candles. And ever since we've gone on our wellness journey, like I've definitely cut all of that out. And I think back and I'm like, how did I used to wear fragrance all the time and not get impacted? Because now I'm like, you, Kay, if I'm buying an air freshener, if I go into a store, I start getting this small headache. And I'm like, what's going on in my body now that it didn't used to impact me before? And I just thought it was so fascinating because Dr. Yvonne was saying the less you intake these toxins in the fragrance, the more sensitive you are. So she gets into all the details and even, you know, replacements, because I still love smells and whatnot. So I just thought that was fascinating. And another really interesting thing that she talks about is makeup, because I love makeup. I love my eyeliner. I love my foundation. I love my lipstick. And, you know, not only does she give replacements for that, but also how to think through it. So if you need to maybe do one replacement, and that's a more clean option, she was saying, think about what goes on your lips. Like I never even thought about that. So, you know, I still have taken out some things in my makeup routine, but now I'm like, whatever goes on my lips because we can ingest it, I'm going to be way more mindful that it's a clean product. So we love this interview. There was just so many gems that even were mind boggling for me. A hundred percent. And just like you said, Yasmin, we don't have to throw away every makeup product. There's actually better options out there for us. There are clean options that actually work, and we talk all about that in this episode. Dr. Yvonne Burkhart is a board-certified toxicologist. She has an expertise in reproductive toxicity, particularly endocrine disruption, infertility, cancer, and glutathione homeostasis. She's also served as a senior toxicologist in the flavor and fragrance chemical industry, which is why she's so knowledgeable about this. After witnessing firsthand the power of a low-tox lifestyle, Dr. Yvonne began a mission to help consumers slash their toxic exposure with confidence and ease. After witnessing firsthand the power of a low-tox lifestyle, Dr. Yvonne began a mission to help consumers slash their toxic exposure with confidence and ease, and she is super passionate about helping parents protect their children from toxic exposure. This was such a fascinating episode, so let's get into it. Dr. Yvonne, thank you so much for joining us today. I want to jump right in and ask you, 
what are the most toxic products or toxic things that women are using every single day? Well, definitely when it comes to women, how we are different than a lot of men is makeup and skincare. Unfortunately, some of these contain some of the worst ingredients out there. And we have to be really careful with what we're applying to our skin and to our lips, especially. And additionally, cleaning products are also some really potent sources of toxic chemicals that we also need to be care uh, aware of. And as women, oftentimes we are cleaning the home pretty regularly, I'd say. So with makeup. We, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and we get disproportionately exposed, unfortunately. Yeah, that's so true. And when it comes to these specific products, I know there's so many ingredients, but what are the key, like what are the most toxic ingredients that are pervasive that women need to be looking out for? Oh, I love that you said the word pervasive because this one is literally in almost everything that you'll find in stores. It's fragrance. It's the word fragrance or parfum. And this is an umbrella term that can encompass thousands potentially of toxic chemicals that are added into shampoos, body wash, hand soap, lotion, even lip products I've seen contain fragrances. And of course, the cleaning products that we were talking about. And the unfortunate side effect of these is that they have estrogenic-like effects in the body. I know we have a lot of questions about fragrance. I think we'll come back to that because that's going to be a big one, I think, especially for our audience. But um, yeah, I'll, I'll hand it yeah. over to you. Well, I have a million questions. But before I, we go into our second one, you mentioned specifically with lips, like cosmetics on your lips. Is there a reason why that is something that we should be more mindful of? Yes, it can be ingested. So we yeah. are ingesting these lip products slowly over time. And let's say you're getting a drink of water. Some of that lipstick is transferring onto the glass. It's going into your mouth. And then if you're not taking it off before you eat, then you're also ingesting some during that time. Oh, that's good to know because I'm still phasing out my clean makeup, but I'll make sure that anything on my lips is like the number one thing that is clean because like you said, we ingested. So that's fascinating. It makes a lot of sense. Um, so yeah, so Kay and I are in the business of periods and women's health. And I want to get your perspective around why should women care about the types of pads and tampons that we're using? Well, let's think about where they're being used, right? So they're used in our reproductive areas. These are the most sensitive organs that we have right behind our detox organs, which is our liver and kidney. So the third most important organ set, I would say, when it comes to toxic chemicals and exposures are our ovaries, our uterus, the cervix, our breasts, all of these tissues that are responsive to estrogens. And unfortunately, a lot of these chemicals that we talk about having toxic effects, being endocrine disruptors directly impact these mm -hmm. organs. So when it comes to pads and tampons, menstrual cups, anything that we're putting down there, we have to be extra careful because the vagina and the vaginal canal is so absorptive to chemicals, so wow. much more so than skin on the rest of our bodies. It's very thin. It's highly vascular, vascularized means there's a lot of blood flow. And what this all adds up to is that when you get exposed to chemicals down there, they are in direct proximity to your reproductive organs. So they don't have to travel very far to have mm. activity. And it's so actually, I was really shocked when I was doing research on this myself to realize that the vagina is actually used as a route of drug delivery because it is so permeable to chemicals. 
Wow. That we need to be extra careful. A lot of these conventional pads and tampons, they contain fragrances, which are chemicals that we don't even want in our environment, let alone down there. A lot of the cotton is sprayed with glyphosate, which is a suspected carcinogen. So there's a lot of things that we need to be aware of, especially when it comes to products that we put down there. So important, extremely important. I know. And I, 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 I don't know if they still exist, but I cannot believe, I cannot wrap my head around the idea that there are fragranced tampons and pads. It is wild to me on so many levels. It should be illegal. Yeah, it should be illegal. It's really crazy. Uh, we were talking about fragrance. And I think in our society, there's this idea that we should smell a certain way. All parts of our body should smell a certain way. And fragrance has become so pervasive. Is there such a thing as safe fragrance? Well, I'm in the mindset and also based on the evidence that there is a safer alternative for pretty much every product under the sun that you can imagine, almost everything. I have yet to find something that you can't find a safer alternative of. Whether or not a fragrance is safe for all people at all times, I can't say that because there are vulnerable populations like children, mm -hmm. pregnant women, elderly, babies in utero. There are so many different situations and nuances that it isn't necessarily safe, pun intended, to say that all fragrances are safe all the time. Are there safer alternatives? Yes. Yeah, I'd love to hear about what some of those are for anybody who's listening and is like, I, I don't want to remove fragrance from my life. Can you mention any safer alternatives? Yes, absolutely. You don't have to remove. This is a common misconception that I think a lot of people have is when they hear about living a low-tox lifestyle or avoiding toxic chemicals that you have to live under a rock <laughs> and use mud to shampoo your hair. I mean, I actually did that. But hey, no judgment if that works for people. Did it work? It didn't work, it didn't work for me. <laughs> I, I couldn't stand it. I tried my best. I tried to stick with it for six months. It just did yeah. not work. Mm -hmm. And I am uh, definitely someone who loves fragrances. I love scents. I also love makeup and skincare and products. So I needed to find safer alternatives because I personally went through health issues. My body couldn't handle them. So yes, there are safer alternatives. I would say that essential oils are a much better option than synthetic undisclosed fragrances in general, mm -hmm. but they can also be highly allergenic. So it really depends on your skin. If you can tolerate it, just test it out and see how, how you go. But those are definitely safer than synthetic fragrances. Yeah. It's super interesting too, because I know certain essential oils like tea tree and lavender in excessive amounts can also be endocrine disruptors. So I mean, I feel like we women have to be, we have to be super careful, which, uh, you know, it comes with its own set of stuff, but it's worth it in the end. What about candles? Do you use candles? I didn't for a long time. I used to be a candle addict. I used to be a candle addict. And then once I started having health problems, I unfortunately would get migraines if I was around really potent fragrances. And mm -hmm. some of my favorite candles were the ones that were made with these synthetic fragrances. So I had to let those go just for health reasons. I just felt terrible around them. But then once I regained my health and my strength and vitality, mm -hmm. I started looking for healthier alternatives. And thankfully, there are. There's even research on this that shows that beeswax candles actually have the lowest emissions, which is great. Mm -hmm. They are probably the most, how would you say, traditional classic candle material. But if you don't like beeswax, if you don't want to use that kind of wax, coconut wax is a much better option than the conventional petroleum paraffin derived 
that kind of synthetic stuff. So beeswax and coconut wax candles made with essential oils are great. I love that you're saying that we get a lot of our audience asking about candles because we know how toxic it can be. So just to recap, beeswax or coconut wax candles, if you're going to do fragrance with essential oils, do we need to be mindful of maybe like keeping a window open or a door, like even with those clean quote unquote candles? hundred percent. I'm so glad you asked this question because even if you're burning a cleaner candle, like the ones that we've mentioned, they're still releasing pollutants into your air regardless of how clean they are, because just the process of burning something is not necessarily a healthy habit. It's something that we need to do in order to cook food and things like that. So we can't, don't have to avoid everything, but just open your windows. If you can let the emissions out, try to get fresh air in, use an air purifier. If you can just be on top of it, because when you're inhaling any polluted air, it has also similar easy access to your bloodstream, the way that products and chemicals in the vaginal canal do even more so. So we we've got these areas of the body. We got to re be really careful of. So the mouth, like any kind of openings, thin membranes, think of it like that. So the lungs are very, very thin. They're one cell thick at the very, very depths of our lungs. And these are gases. So if you're inhaling them, then those can go all the way into your bloodstream. Hey everyone, it's Yasmin here. In 2020, I was struggling with some debilitating health stuff. I just got off birth control and suddenly I had acne, mood swings, breast tenderness, and really painful periods. I tried so many things, but the one thing that worked was something called seed cycling. I know you're probably thinking, seed cycling? What the heck is that? It's a natural way to support your hormones using four specific seeds throughout your cycle. The challenge is that seed cycling can be a little complicated to do and kind of time consuming. So I decided to make an organic seed cycling product that is so easy to use, we make it effortless effortless for anyone to get started today. It's called Bia and it's a super easy way to add something powerful to your diet to support your hormones, regulate your cycle, and bring back balance. To learn more about Bia and join our community with thousands of incredible women all over the world, go to BiaWellness.com and that's spelled B-E-E-Y-A Wellness.com and check out the show notes for our promo code to get $10 off your first purchase. Thanks so much for listening and now let's get back to today's episode. I think I read somewhere, sorry, that indoor air is significantly more toxic than outdoor air. Have you read anything about this? Is there any truth to that? Yes, there is truth to it. In fact, that was an EPA statistic. Indoor air can be three to five times more polluted than outdoor air. And the reason being that we oftentimes don't open the windows enough and homes have become insulated to become more energy efficient. So they're holding more stuff in. And then human activities like cooking, burning candles, scented products, also humidity. So there can be mold issues as well. So we've got to be really, really mindful of the air quality inside. Because if you're at home sleeping, that's already a third of your day. Where if you have poor indoor air quality, that is affecting your health. It's a direct impact on your health. In fact, air pollution is one of the major killers of people worldwide. So I guess moral of the story, definitely keep the windows open and get an air purifier. Should everyone who's listening definitely have that in their home? <laughs> well, if you can afford one, yes. If you can't, yeah. you can even just go to a hardware store, get a HEPA filter and tape it to a box fan. That already is going oh. to filter. That's like a super cheap DIY. It might be $40, $45 the last time I checked. They even have some now where it has already um, like a slot that you just put an air purifier in. So they're 
they've made this type of product and it's effective at removing particulate matter, ultrafine particles, things that we don't want to breathe in. Mm -hmm. And um, some people might not be able to open their windows as much because it's cold. And also if you live near a busy highway, if outdoor air quality is also poor, you don't necessarily want to open the windows and let more of that in. So there are workarounds, but as much as you can, I think the path of least resistance, at least for me, was to remove things instead of buying more gadgets. It was Mm -hmm. removing things and then seeing what I was left with. And if my air quality still needed some help after I started purging those kind of scented and really strong chemical products, then I invested in an air purifier. But it wasn't the first thing that I bought. I love that. Removing things. That's a good concept because sometimes you're like, oh, gosh, I got to buy all these things. But how do we just like go back to the basics and take out the toxic things. And one thing I know you mentioned about essential oils. So many people, including myself, I haven't used in a while. We have an essential oil diffuser. So is that similar in terms of how you talked about the clean candles? Like we still need to be mindful or what are your thoughts around those like essential oil diffusers? Oh, I'm so glad you asked this question too, because this is one of uh, the FAQs that I get all the time. We, people love smells and that's okay. People thrive on them. They are a sensory experience. They make you feel good. So there's nothing wrong with them. If you can get the highest purity of oils that you can, make sure that the water you're diffusing with is also highly purified because there's studies showing if you use tap water, then those contaminants in the tap water are getting diffused into your air. So we don't want to be breathing those in. We don't want to be drinking those or bathing in them. We want to avoid them. So pure oils, pure water, and also I wouldn't recommend diffusing nonstop. Some people have it going all Mm -hmm. the time. If you've got children, if you've got pets, those are also extra considerations to think about that they might not be the best uh, individuals to be exposed to those types of oils. I want to take a step back because I'm actually just curious. And I think a lot of our audience will be, how did you get into this field? And like, what was the catalyst for you understanding all of this? And was there a point where you realized like, holy crap, like we are in a toxic soup bubble and I have to do something about it? Well, I actually discovered toxicology almost by accident. So I was a college student looking for a summer job and I knew that as a biology major, I needed to do some kind of research. So I was like, let me get a job in a lab and see if I can handle that. I just wasn't sure about the chemicals and everything like that. So I guess I already had a skeptical nature just inherently within me. But I found a toxicology lab. I became really like obsessed with what the professor was doing. And she was studying male and female reproductive toxicology. So looking at how environmental chemicals affect reproduction, fertility, cancer, um, multi-generational studies. So how do these chemicals affect even grandchildren and great-grandchildren? So those types of experiments they were doing were so just completely mind-blowing to me. I never thought about these things before. I never questioned what was going on around me, the foods I was eating, things I was applying to my body, the products that I was, you know, bringing into my home. Those were never considerations before. And then that was the beginning of, hey, this might not be what we think it is. (laughs) We're not necessarily as safe as we once thought that was the beginning of it. And then it wasn't until I had my own health issues that I really started to dig deep. And it wasn't until I started removing things, which is why I'm such an advocate and proponent of avoidance, Mm -hmm. because that's what worked for me that such that I was able to get pregnant after 
months and months and months of struggling to get pregnant, of not mm-hmm. having a period, of having so many hormonal issues, peeling back the layers, removing all of these toxic products, replacing them with better ones, with swaps. Slowly over time, my body rebalanced itself and I got pregnant naturally. So I didn't have to have any medications, uh, reproductive assistance or anything like that. It just, I was able to restore it myself. Wow. That's incredible. I think you brought up such a good point. I think so many of us think if there's a product on the shelf then somebody did their due diligence to make sure that it's safe, otherwise it wouldn't be on the shelf, but that's not necessarily true. What are some of the pitfalls when it comes to testing all the products that we use on a day-to-day basis and why can we why should we not rely on just that alone i think it's really surprising and to a lot of people and it's shocking to myself as well is because you do think that you know the fda exists so there must be somebody looking at this stuff right looking at products ingredients and they do but not for all products so the main area what the FDA works on are a lot of drugs. So approving drug applications and things like that for pharmaceuticals. They also do look at foods quite a bit. So they have more jurisdiction there. But when it comes to cosmetics, there is very little regulation. And in fact, the last time that the United States cosmetics regulations were even updated was only last year. And before that, it was almost 100 years. A hundred years. So during that first initial hundred years of the Cosmetics Act, there were, I can't even tell you, an untold number of new chemicals that were introduced into our products. There were no regulations that were mandating any type of testing. Still to this day, there aren't. And if they were, happen to be tested, they are usually dumped by the extraordinarily high doses onto animals one at a time, one chemical at a time. And that's not how products are, right? Products have a lot of different ingredients in them. So it doesn't make sense to test that way if they were even tested, which is super rare. So it just is not relevant to human exposure at all. What I'm saying is that the products that are out there are not tested the way people think they are. And if they are, they're done in a way that doesn't make sense. Yeah. I actually have a theory because thyroid issues are so much more common these days amongst women. And I'm like, this has to have something to do with the amount of toxins that have been introduced into like cosmetics and cleaning supplies in the past hundred years. I'm sure when my mom was a kid, there wasn't this many thyroid issues that women are having. Now it's so like prevalent. Um, So I'm sure if people dug into it, they could find all kinds of things. Yes. And in fact, you mentioned a really good point is that most people who struggle with thyroid conditions are women. And then is it a coincidence that women also use more products than any other demographic? Mm -hmm. I don't think so. And the evidence is clearly showing that there is a connection between these endocrine disruptors and, of course, our endocrine thyroid tissue. It's Mm -hmm. not a surprise. And it's really unfortunate. I myself also had issues with thyroid. And so, you know, we're not immune to any of this. It's crazy. I know on another podcast you were mentioning that there's, as we talked about, there's hidden toxins in our everyday cosmetics, but they can actually turn cancer genes on inside the body. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Because that was mind blowing to me. Yeah, that was mind blowing to me too, because there has been this ongoing debate and it's mainly between the cosmetics industries from what I gather. They are, you know, uh, supporting the use of parabens. So parabens are a type of preservative that are very cheap. They're very effective. They can make products shelf stable for years. So 
Okay. Very potent, right? And unfortunately, they have estrogenic activity. And yet, decades ago, there was a researcher in the UK who started looking at this and said, hey, these have a very similar chemical structure to estrogen. So whenever a chemical has a similar structure to estrogen, it has the ability to behave like estrogen. And so there's been this back and forth sort of debate in the scientific community of whether or not there's validity, validity to this. And now we know, in my opinion, and based on the evidence, it is a definitive yes, this is a problem. They found in this study, what they did was ask women volunteers, adult women volunteers, to just switch out their products, take away the products that have parabens and phthalates okay. for 28 days. So these are products that you can buy in stores right now. It wasn't like they were subjecting these women and injecting them with chemicals. No, they, in fact, they asked them to get rid of chemicals and then see what happens. So they took samples out of the breast tissue of these volunteers before and after 28 days. So that's what, a month, a couple weeks, right? At the beginning of the experiment, their cancer genes, breast cancer genes were higher and they actually decreased by the end of the experiment, meaning that the products they were using before had chemicals in them that were activating breast cancer genes. Oh my gosh. So the products that you can buy in the stores, the parabens, the phthalates, those turn on breast cancer genes. And that doesn't mean that you're applying them to your breasts necessarily. It was makeup, skincare, maybe things that you're putting on your hands and feet and your legs. I mean, these are getting absorbed into the bloodstream. They're traveling to the breasts. They're having effect on breast cancer expression. And this is not a good thing because activating breast cancer genes is the first step in turning cancer on, in promoting cancer. And they didn't measure. It's very interesting because the breasts, as you know, are highly, highly, highly reactive to estrogen, right? They respond to estrogen, but other tissues do as well. The brain, the gut, the uterus, so many other tissues have estrogen receptors. So any tissue that has estrogen receptors can be affected by estrogenic endocrine disruptors. It's a whole body issue. It's not just a breast and vagina uterus issue. <laughs> so scary. And like what percentage of products right now in the drugstore contain parabens and phthalates? Ooh, I wouldn't even be able to give you a number, but there are definitely products still out there that have them. Some big name brands. If you just flip over the bottle and you look at the ingredients list, just look for any ingredient that has the word paraben in it. So it could be methyl paraben, ethyl paraben, propyl paraben. Those are the common ones. And phthalates, unfortunately, don't often appear on the label because they're part of the fragrance umbrella term. So that's why avoiding fragrances, undisclosed fragrances is so important is because they can often harbor phthalates, which are potent endocrine disruptors as well. Got it. I'm literally taking notes right now because I love makeup. I mean, I love my foundation. I love my eyeliner, my lipstick, and it's even good for me. So just to reiterate, finding products that don't have parabens and ideally like no fragrance because phthalates can be hidden underneath that. So those are two things we should think about before putting cosmetics on our skin, face and everything. Yes. That's so scary because I mean, how many young teenage girls are I wearing know. makeup right now? Actually, there's a study on this. Yeah. <laughs> studies on everything. So children under the age of 12, there was a statistic that was um, over 70% of kids under the age of 12 wear makeup. Yeah. Wow. And like lotions That's, and stuff. Yes. And, if you, and 
you look at the ingredients in these wow. products that are marketed for children, they are horrific. In fact, I think they should be criminal. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to sell products like this to young girls. I was into them, the glitter mm -hmm. makeup, the scented yeah. stuff, everything out there right now for kids is scented. And my kids come home and ask, why can't I have that slime with mm -hmm. the glitter and the fragrances? And I say, because we just don't play with that kind of stuff. That's not healthy. That's not good for you. Yeah. And so uh, sometimes they'll get gifted some. And I'll even tell them, like, you have to wear gloves if you're gonna, I'm not going to let you put this on your skin. That's just period. I'm putting my foot down. Yeah, I was going to ask how you handle that. I have a two-year-old daughter. And at, you know, before this age, she was just putting everything in her mouth. So we kind of had to be very mindful about the type of toys. But now I'm even thinking about when she gets older and wants to bring these products home and do, I don't want to. I don't want to be the parent who's like, no, no, no to everything. Cause I'm already a nutritionist. I'm already going to be saying no to so many. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, I know poor kid, but I, I, I mean, this stuff is so scary. So I, I appreciate hearing from another mom who's like, I gotta put my foot down. Yeah. I mean, my kids just know that, Hey, at home, at least you're not bringing that fragrance stuff at home. If they're at school and their kid, the other kids have it, there's not anything I can do about that. Um, even the teachers at the schools even have scented plugins and things. And, yeah. you know, we can only do so much. And, you know, I can ask them to maybe swap it out for an essential oil plugin. That's better. Um, but, you know, it's it's there's only so much that we can do. And that's why I really want consumers and moms to take back power at home mm -hmm. and really, really be the gatekeeper of your home. And yeah. it doesn't mean saying no to everything. There's just some things that are non-negotiables. If they had um, essential oil scented slime, I mean, yeah, sure, why course. not? I, I think someone should invent that. Yeah, you know? I, that would be, I would be the person that would allow my kids to have that, you know? Um, but, you know, there's just things that we have to, I guess, just decide as moms that are okay and not okay. And, you know, my kids really understand that now because they've asked so many times and the answer is always the same. I feel you. I don't want to be that mom either. But at the same time, there's just no safer alternative right now. They'll thank us when they're older. Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know what? Shout out to uh, my brother, who's Yasmin's husband, because he's the first person. Like, we will get into an Uber. If there yeah. is an air freshener in there, he'll say, like, you, can you please remove that? Or if there's a plug-in somewhere, he'll tell them, a hotel or something, anywhere, even in their apartment building. He was yeah. Like, my mission is I'm getting this out of here. He's so sensitive. But I appreciate there's people out there who are like, I'm taking this into my own hands. Definitely. Yeah, it's crazy, Kaya, because he's so sensitive. Like, he'll feel it way faster than me that it's making me more mindful. I'm a little delayed. Like, if there's a candle on with fragrance, he will immediately feel off. And I'm like, okay, there's clearly some toxic out there. It'll take me like an hour, two hours to feel it. So it's just interesting how some people have different reactions. Um, but, you know, ultimately, we all feel, or at least I feel like I feel what he's doing just a little bit more delayed which is just interesting but you know something interesting that i wanted to mention in regards to how quickly you might pick up on a fragrance is when i was really into fragrances i i used to work for a flavor and fragrance company wow. and i would i would go to switzerland and raid the the factory store they had um, bottles and bottles and bottles of perfumes that you could buy and they were the manufacturer for most designer name brand fragrances so if you can imagine they were you know selling them at production cost which was i'd probably say less than ten dollars for a full-size bottle and i would fill up a suitcase wow. because it was such a big thing for me i was like i gotta have this one this one this it was terrible but anyways 
I want, long story short, the more you're exposed to fragrances, your sensitivity to them actually goes down. Mm. So the more you remove them from your home and your environment, your body can actually become more sensitive to them, not in a bad way, but in a survival mechanism, I'm a much more clear receiver of them and I can detect them. And if Mm -hmm. I don't like it, I'm out of here. That's how I've personally experienced it. And I get messages from people all the time. How come I'm more sensitive to fragrance now that I got rid of them? And that's usually one of the reasons is because if you're around it all the time, your body is just inundated and it's almost just like trying to ignore it. I guess it's a process called um, acclimation. So that's just like the scientific technical word for it. But you'll start to notice it. If you really get away from them, you'll be able to pick up on them really fast it's just like sugar yeah yeah and alcohol. Yeah, exactly right like, right yes same that's so fascinating well i'm i'm curious about this other question we have so as a toxicologist what's the problem with coffee cups <laughs> coffee cups oh well disposable coffee cups those are the issue so regular ceramic mugs glass mugs those are not a problem it is the plastic lined paper to go cups that you'll mm. get at pretty much any coffee shop these days with the plastic lid on them. They are lined with a thin layer of plastic. And unfortunately, when you pour hot liquids like coffee that are acidic and hot into these plastic lined cups, they will leach microplastic particles and heavy metals into your drink that you are consuming. So the problem is that we don't break down plastic. So microplastics will break up into nanoplastic. They just keep getting smaller and smaller, but they never really go away. That's the problem. And so they've been detected in human lung, placenta, blood, the heart. Oh, where else? I mean, they're everywhere. So basically they're not, they're not going anywhere. We can't digest them. It's the uh, mechanism of detoxification is not clear. So it's not like we can just load up on some supplements and get rid of them because we, we just don't know how the body can process them or if the body can process them at all because if they were able to be detoxified then they shouldn't be found in all these tissues yeah i think i watched one of your videos that was saying like on average how many microplastics are we ingesting every year do you remember what that's yeah it's uh it's about a credit card a week or um i can't remember the number but a lot of plastic bags like work. 50 i think you said yes 50. I was like really what? high number of plastic bags yes in the equivalent of microplastics. So that's if you never do anything about it and you just go about living a very conventional, you know, everyday American lifestyle without paying attention to it. That's how much you could be getting. So if you filter your water, if you filter your air, if you um, don't drink out of disposable coffee cups, things like that, if you don't microwave your food in plastic, then you're Mm -hmm. already going to remove a significant portion of that. So yeah. it's not it's not like it doesn't have to be gloom and doom, like we're all going to die tomorrow. It's not like that. It's mm-hmm. just really being mindful and trying to get away from plastic as much as you can and disposables because disposables aren't really disposable, right? They, they end up somewhere and then they're in the environment and then it's polluting mm-hmm. the water, it's polluting the air, now it's in fish. So uh, if you can avoid plastic, then you'll be doing yourself a, a world of good. Yeah, I think you can't even recycle single-use plastics. So like you said, they just end up polluting they're polluting us and then they pollute the earth, which is, you know, a double whammy. You mentioned mm-hmm. filtering your air, filtering your water. What are some other simple swaps that people can make that would have the most impact on their life, specifically women? Ooh, definitely. I would say avoiding 
water bottles, plastic water bottles, getting so getting a, a water filter at home and filling up your own water bottle to take with you, preferably if it were not plastic that you're filling into, then you can, of course, remove that source of microplastics and uh, pollutants from your body. But also we want to swap out our food containers, plastic food containers, switch mm -hmm. to glass. Those are pretty easy to find now. You can find those pretty much everywhere. If you can get rid of fragranced products and perhaps switch to essential oils or fragrance free, which is what I've done personally. I just now don't, I don't really go for fragrance products as much, but if something mm -hmm. does have a fragrance in it, then it is essential oil based. Then we can also swap out our harsh cleaning products for more gentle plant derived products. There's a lot of brands out there. Some of the ones that I love are also plastic free, which is, which is a major plus. So getting um, solid laundry detergent powder as sure. opposed to liquids in a plastic jug. And then also swapping out processed foods for whole foods, which I'm sure, Kea, you can appreciate this as a nutritionist and as well. But um, getting away from the processed foods is really a big, big, big impact move that you can make. One, one thing I think is also an easy swap I'd love to get your thoughts on is deodorant. How should we think about it? I think you had like an Instagram reel where there was some brand, I forgot what it was, and I don't want to call them out, where we thought it was clean and it wasn't. So what should we be mindful of when it comes to finding the right deodorant? Well, definitely the undisclosed synthetic fragrance. That's number one. Second is, do you really need aluminum salt containing antiperspirant? That's another question because there is some evidence that these aluminum salts are getting absorbed into the breast tissue and aluminum has estrogenic activity as well. So this is not something that we necessarily want to have in our bodies and in a sensitive area such as the underarms, which are directly connected to the breast tissue. Um, so that's another consideration to keep in mind. And then just trying to go for the most plant-based, plant-derived formulation that you possibly can. And there are so many out there. I've I think I've got several posts on deodorant as well. Um, but something to look out for is even if a company says it's natural fragrance, that doesn't actually mean anything. That doesn't help mm -hmm. when it comes to the safety of it because natural fragrance can still have phthalates in it. We also learned that natural flavoring doesn't really mean anything. It could have up yeah. to like 50 or 100 ingredients in there. And I'll never forget somebody told me that when something says natural vanilla flavoring, that it potentially could have beaver's anal glands in there. And I was like, what? This is like off the wall. So yeah, we've also been very saturated in the idea of natural not meaning much of anything. Yeah. You know, one thing I'm just personally thinking a lot about that we haven't touched on is underwear, right? Again, it's like in a very sensitive part of our body. So what kind of materials should we be using and what kind of materials should we be avoiding when it comes to underwear? Oh, I love this question because a lot of us are kind of getting more into this idea of switching out our clothing and textiles. And it isn't one that first comes to mind, right? When you think of non-toxic or low-tox lifestyle, that's not necessarily where your mind goes first, at least not for me. Underwear is a direct contact with our reproductive organs and there's friction. So friction also increases the rate of chemical absorption. So if you're wearing underwear that's made out of synthetic materials like polyester, that's probably the worst material that you can get for your underwear. Mm -hmm. A lot of underwear is made out of that right now. I used to wear them for a long time and I only switched over within the last, I'd probably say, year or two. And now I exclusively wear 
organic cotton underwear. Yeah, I'm on the same journey. We were just talking about how one in four of the most popular yoga pants have been tested to contain PFAS or forever chemicals in it. And women are sweating in them, they're wearing them. That's unfortunate, but there's so many good brands out there. And then, you know, I love companies like Pact. They do organic cotton underwear. There's so many great companies out there that are really kind of pioneering this effort, which I think will be the next wave, hopefully, of mm-hmm. people swapping out you know, toxic items. I didn't even think about that. Like we talk about this all the time, Kea. And then I was like, wait, my underwear, I haven't even thought about it. So I just, it's fascinating. And I'm glad that there's other options available. So that's good to know. Yeah. And bras too. That's Mm, something else to consider. Pact also makes organic cotton bras. The thing with organic bras though, is that they don't necessarily have the same level of support. You don't get the ones with the wires or anything like that. So mm-hmm. if you're used to wearing those types of bras, like I was when I first switched over, it was definitely an adjustment period. But yeah, now I'm more used to it. But that wasn't the easiest swap for me. I'm going to be perfectly honest about it. It wasn't <laughs> the easiest. Yeah, but who needs underwire? That stuff is whack. <laughs> <laughs> So without underwire, it's like, oh my gosh, I feel more free. Yeah. Once I had kids, I was like, I can't do the wire. It's too uncomfortable, especially if you're nursing or something. It's no way. It wasn't for me. <laughs> you know, you were ta- we were talking about coffee cups and you said things being hot and plastics. I'm wondering, do you, do you and your family, do you guys eat out? How are you mindful of that? Because so many takeout containers are plastic. They have hot food. How do you navigate that? Well, we try not to eat out to be perfectly honest, as much as possible, simply, especially fast food, that's the absolute worst because there's no very little nutritional value at all in the food and the containers tend to have the highest levels of PFAS and toxic chemicals in them. So we try to avoid fast food as much as possible. If we do eat out, uh, we very um, are very selective with the restaurants we go to and I'll bring my own glass containers instead of putting my stuff in in the plastic to go boxes because um, black plastic is actually made from recycled electronic parts. So there is some considerations oh. there. Uh, yeah. A lot of restaurants are using them and uh, yeah, it's not the best material. Again, just do your best. If you're not eating yeah. out too frequently, then it's not an issue. And if you do like to eat out a lot, then try to bring your own container. And it has to do a lot with the contact time. So if it's not in contact with the food for a long time when it's hot and melting and that kind of stuff, then it isn't so much of a major, major issue. But of course, if you can avoid it, great. If you can't, don't beat yourself up. Just try better next time. My parents, because they love getting like hot Indian food and the takeout containers are black. They're the black ones. So I'm going to send them because (laughs) I can see how piping hot it is. And I always think, gosh, that's so hot and it's touching the plastic that has to be doing something not great. Um, But hopefully there'll be better options in the future for sure. So that's Mm -hmm. that's good. That's a good tip. And when it comes to coffee, because this that was mind blowing what you said in terms of like the paper cups and how there's still microplastics in there, because I thought I was I would always take that plastic top off and I was like, okay, I'm not using the top of the coffee cup, so I'm good to go. But clearly the cup as well is something we need to be mindful of. So are you also taking your own cup to coffee shops? Or again, you're mostly making your coffee at home and that's kind of your go-to. Yeah, my go-to is mainly making coffee at home. That doesn't mean that I never have coffee out. If I do have coffee out and I am already planning ahead, then I try to plan ahead and bring my own coffee mug and I have one that's all glass. So the the lid is glass, everything is glass. That's my favorite one. But 
I was just traveling over the weekend with my family. We went to a hotel and I couldn't bring the glass one because I was concerned it would break in the luggage or something. So mm -hmm. I brought a stainless steel uh, bottle and I actually will just take the cap off and drink directly from like the stainless steel cup as opposed mm -hmm. to drinking through the plastic lid. But yeah. that's also a, a better option, right? That's also much better than a disposable plastic lined cup. And the place I went to wouldn't allow me to fill my own mug directly. So I just quickly transferred my drink over because it has to do with contact time, right? Like the more, the longer it's in contact, the more melting there is. So if you can just quickly transfer it, then you're, I'm sure you're fine. I don't think there's a major concern there. Oh my God. I would love, I don't know if you have this on your Instagram, but like a day in the life of your life, I would love <laughs> to follow you and just see like, what is she doing? What are the hacks? That would be yeah. so fun. I think I have I have a couple videos on that. One of them is when I'm on the go. So I carry my own water bottle and glass. If I'm going yeah. to uh, work at a coffee shop, I'm looking for ones that serve coffee in mugs. If they don't have them, okay. then I usually have mine with me just in case. Uh, things like that. You know, it's not anything major. And I usually try to bring my own snacks just because I like to be in control of the quality of the foods and the drinks that I get. Yeah, I love that. You know, so much of the population that we work with is thinking about their fertility journey, thinking about pregnancy. That's definitely on my mind for sure, too. I'm wondering, like, what's your advice for women who are thinking about getting pregnant? You shared a little bit about what you went through. Why should this be top of mind for that community? The reason is that toxic exposure for children, for anyone begins before birth. So as soon as your uh, the sperm and the egg meet, then that's when day one of toxic exposure technically is like, that's your clock, right? That's when your clock starts. And the environment in which you, your mother has in her body, her toxic load, that directly impacts your development and your body. There's I can't even tell you countless studies showing that moms that have higher levels of PFAS, higher levels of phthalates and heavy metals in their bodies, and the kids are impacted on so many different levels on cognitive function, behavioral issues, obesity, metabolism, so many health issues start before you're even born, unfortunately. And there's even studies looking at epigenetics. So if your grandmother was exposed to something, that can program your genes in a certain way. It changes the way that your genes are expressed, basically. And so it doesn't matter. Like, we can't do anything about what our ancestors were exposed to, right? But we can do something about what we're doing now and how that can impact our children. So if you can think that you are a woman and you are pregnant with a baby girl, her ovaries contain the eggs that will become your grandchildren. So just think okay. of it like that. What am I doing today that could be affecting my grandchildren and even great grandchildren? So just if you're thinking about getting pregnant, now's the time to start swapping stuff out. Not when you're already pregnant. A lot of people don't find out until they're already pregnant and that's okay too. The mm -hmm. key is to start and, and uh, just stay with it, stay dedicated and don't get overwhelmed. Just do one thing at a time, but just already starting before you're pregnant is absolutely optimal if you can. And if you can't, you've already got kids, then try to help them stay away from processed foods, the artificial dyes, the scented products, helping your kids in that way, get away from plastic. You can get um, stainless steel lunch boxes for kids. We've got water bottles for our kids and just trying to help educate them so that they can make better choices when they're not with you. Yeah, I love that. It's uh, I love that you said like starting 
ahead is optimal, but it's also never too late to start. So regardless of where somebody is in their life, like making these changes today is going to make a huge impact. Um, so yeah, I definitely appreciate that. It's something that I think about a lot with my daughter and then future pregnancies. So, uh, that was really beautiful. I think, um, Yasmin, I don't know if you had any other. Yeah, I have one final thought. I'm sure you get this quite a lot, Yvonne, but if, if someone's like, man, I listened to this whole podcast episode, I'm terrified. There's toxins everywhere. What do you tell that person? Cause I have had friends that have gotten pregnant and have went off the deep end and like completely changed their life and were more in a fear-based mindset. So what would you tell someone who's at the end of this podcast and have listened to everything that we're saying and might be a little scared about all things? That it's okay to be scared. I understand being scared because when you first hear about this and you're like, what? This has been happening my entire life and I didn't know, that can be frightening. And it's okay to be frightening and process that fear and then let it go as quickly as you can because that fear is creating stress stress is also toxic yeah. to your body you don't need that level of heightened fear stress response in your body the next thing is to sit down what can i do today right now that is a better choice than i made yesterday mm -hmm. can i not drink bottled water today is there something i can do today just every choice trying to be one percent better you don't have to be perfect. You'll never be perfect. Getting scared and living under a rock is also not helpful. It's not mm -hmm. sustainable for most people. And it just isn't realistic. And you don't have to be afraid. Just do your best and try to tackle the big ones. Like try yeah. to get a water filter. Try to stop using a, a plastic for your food. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and things like that. It's really not difficult. It's very simple, but you've got to be dedicated. I definitely feel a lot more empowered after this Same. episode. I think a lot of other people will feel the same way. So thanks for joining us. Thanks for being on this episode. And yeah, it was so great to meet you. Yeah, it was nice to meet you too. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Behind Her Empire. If you enjoyed this conversation, it would mean the world to me if you would consider leaving a review or even sharing this episode with someone who might be inspired to create their own empire. To stay updated on new episodes or join our private community, visit BehindHerEmpire.com to sign up. We send inspiring and short emails every week to your inbox. I'll see you next week. And until then, remember, you're always in charge of your own destiny and it's never too late to start your own empire.